What you are about to hear is a labor of love. Our love is for the music, and the music is for the people. We at Rockstrikes 10 and cnjradio.com have always recommended that any music we promote on our shows be legally purchased, downloaded, and or streamed. We feel this way not only for our network of shows, but for all music-based shows. By supporting the artist in this way, more music can be created and the industry as a whole can prosper. The music is owned by their respective labels, or hopefully by the artists themselves. This broadcast is owned by cnjradio.com. Our only mission is to promote the music we love and promote the legal purchase of it. Enjoy the show and turn it up. Welcome to Rock
Welcome to Rock Strikes 10, the show guaranteed to always give you 10 songs, no more, no less. My name is Joey. I want to thank everybody for tuning into the show here today, especially if you're doing it at the central station of cnjradio.com. All right, great opener, of course, for any show, Roadrunner by the Modern Lovers, featuring Jonathan Richmond. Now, I'm putting this on the 1972 odds and ends, but it's this is weird because it actually wasn't really officially released in 1972. I'm just kind of putting it on here as basically a timestamp. The the song was properly released in 1976, a whole four years later, but I, I felt the need to include it for the 1972 odds and ends because it was recorded in 72, kind of breaking my rule because it wasn't released then, but just to point out how ahead of the curve Jonathan Richmond was with the Modern Lovers and this song Roadrunner, massively influential. And it does drive home the point that 72 was such an exciting time for music. I mean, Roadrunner is kind of considered like a proto-punk song, like one of the songs that helped give birth to the genre as we know it. Also cool because there's not a lot of examples of what we would call punk rock music in 1972, Besides what the Stooges were doing up in Michigan, the MC5 were doing up in Michigan, a bunch of other bands up in Michigan, and bubbling around New York City and England and stuff like that. But man, he was really onto something. So just setting the tone here, we're in part three of the odds and ends of 1972. We've got two more shows to go, including this one, before we get to the top 50 albums of 1972. So continuing on with the music here, speaking of people that were ahead of the curve, Mark Bolin along with T-Rex, his band, doing some killer stuff in the year 1972. A lot of people would say they were peaking around this time. It's hard to argue with Electric Warrior already being a thing and, and things such as that. But right here, once again, talking about the single-only releases, because there's so many great ones around this time period. Both of these amazing songs that T-Rex put out as single-only releases in 1972. And just to show you how much on a roll they were, I'm going to play them back-to-back here. So get ready for some massive greatness right here. Here is T-Rex with their two big single-only releases from 1972. And we'll kick things off with Children of the Revolution.
double dose of greatness right there some legendary greatness with t-rex starting off with children of the revolution containing one of my favorite absurd lyrics of all time i drive a rolls royce because it's good for my voice <laughs> and we finished up with one of my personal favorite t-rex songs solid gold easy action there's also a really killer cover version of that by the fratellis back about 15 years ago so check that one out as well love that song solid gold easy action Thank you, T-Rex, for all that great music. And this next guy right here was massively influenced by what Mark Boland was doing. He was definitely a contemporary of Mark, but I feel like everybody was trying to be as cool as Mark. And not saying this guy wasn't as cool or cooler. He probably was overall in the grand scheme of things. David Bowie, who's also just really having a year in 1972, where he puts out arguably his greatest album of all time, We'll get to that in the album's countdown, I got a feeling. But preceding his album that he would put out in 72, which would completely just overhaul the entire thing that was going on in England. It seemed like that was the case. Everything I read about, and I don't know if it's revisionist history, but Bowie definitely turned into the biggest thing going around 1972. And this single helped it as well. I, I have a hard time fathoming stuff like by releasing this particular song as a single he kept it off of his album that he would put out and at the same time he had also given up another huge song away to his favorite band Motha Hoople so this song and all the young dudes could have been on what is still known to be probably his greatest album ever it's kind of like the Beatles keeping Strawberry Fields off of Sgt. Pepper because it's the single at the time I mean that's just crazy to think uh, but yeah, here you go. This is a crazy great single from David Bowie right here in 1972. Really kind of the song that kicks off the glam period in full swing. This is John, I'm Only Dancing. Oh, yeah. I just pretty, always even me. 
right, David Bowie right there, backed up from the legendary Spider from Mars with John I'm Only Dancing, a single release from 1972. And Bowie, just a massive rock star at this point in all of his glory, somehow garnering controversy, but these next two acts, nobody garnered controversy more than these two acts, in my opinion, especially at this time. Going to start off, this is kind of the halftime show, so I'm going to get into an instrumental right here. But I love this song. I think it's just a beautiful masterclass piece of work right here. I'll use all the adjectives to describe it. And if you're a friend of the show, you know one of my all-time faves is Frank Zappa. I don't play as much Zappa as I want because I understand some of you people don't like him, whatever. But the guy was a genius. It's not just some kind of hype. A true artist, a true composer and all that stuff. But... He put out like something like three albums in 1972, and I'm not going to do a triple shot or anything. I'm just going to go with the one song here, which I feel to be the best thing that he put out in the entire year. Like I said, it's a beautiful instrumental piece right here. I attempted to cover this one time in jazz band when I was in high school. Uh, More on that later. But for now, here's the closing track off of the Grand Wazoo album, uh, pretty much an all-instrumental album, I think, if not all-instrumental, which makes it an odd and end here for Rock Strikes 10. But this is Blessed Relief. And if you're not driving, just close your eyes and let the song have its way with you. Here we go.
All right, Frank Zappa with Blessed Relief. And there was another reason I played that song right after David Bowie's John I'm Only Dancing. Because, can you guess why? These two songs have something massively in common. I'll give you a few seconds. You can pause it. All right, time's up. Same drummer. The exact same drummer plays on both songs. Ansley Dunbar, the great Ansley Dunbar, played drums on that as well. Of course, the unmistakable keyboard sound of George Duke on there just really adding to it. Everybody's just really killing it on that song, and I love that song. Blessed Relief from the Grand Wazoo. If I said great earlier, I meant to say Grand Wazoo. I know this stuff, but just in case I said great, I'm going to correct myself right then and there. And I was speaking of controversial figures early on, and we are also up to the third solo single outing in 1972 by an ex-Beatle. We will finish up here with the late, great, iconic John Lennon and easily by a galaxy, his most controversial song he has ever put out. If you're a fan, you already know what I'm talking about. There's also a killer live version of this from that New York live thing he did, and that didn't make the album's countdown. And as great as that live version is, the rest of the album just kind of like, ah, it's okay. A little too much Yoko on there, but you know, hey. But what a way to make a statement by, you know, this is definitely not a song that would ever really get recorded nowadays, specifically because of the title. You can definitely have this dialogue right now, but obviously when you hear it, which I won't really say the title of the song, that would not fly nowadays. And I get it. I'm uh, I'm not arguing for the return of this phrase or anything. John will tell you what it's called. Or as another guy that's no stranger to controversy, Louis C.K. once referenced it on one of his shows. Uh, the song is called Woman is the Something of the Something. <laughs> so, yeah, but biting lyrics. If you've never heard this song, you're in for a bit of a shock, I suppose. But, like I said... Title aside, it should not take away from the actual message of what John is trying to say here. So, without further ado, here's John Lennon with that song, and here you go.
children Then we leave a flat for being a fat old mother We tell her home is the only place she should be Then we complain that she's too unworthy to be our friend Right, John Lennon right there with the Plastic Ono Band. And you know the name, of, you can tell what the name of the song is. Not Woman. That was a different song, but yeah, okay. That was from Somewhere in New York. At least the live version is on Somewhere in New York. It's kind of confusing, but that was a single-only release. I, I can't imagine why I didn't get a ton of radio play, even back in the day. Oh, let's, let's wonder that. But I think it's something that should be heard. You know, that was what he was feeling at the time, and... Let's talk about it. Let's have some fucking dialogue about it. Okay. I'm going to take it really easy on you for the rest of the show. So thanks for sticking around with me. As we did on some of these other odds and ends episodes, we're going to get into some AM gold right here. And another song that definitely should be on any 1972 retrospective because it's a damn monster. 
And even I like this song. Uh, you know, I like the original all right. I'm kind of more into the cover version that I grew up on. The vessel for this song, for me, was Faster Pussycat in 1990 when they covered it. But this is a well-crafted song. And we were talking about controversy earlier. There was a lot of speculation and controversy about who this song was about. And I don't think there's still any kind of final word on that. I honestly think it's just a combination of people that she's met in her life. And I think she just rode the controversy, which is a smart thing to do. You never really give it up all the way because you want to keep people intrigued. So if you haven't guessed it yet, this is the big, huge monster single from 1972. And we're having a debut here on Rock Strikes 10. Probably the first and last time I'm ever going to play Carly Simon. But here you go. This is it. This is the song. You're so vain.
You know, once I learned that Jagger was doing the background vocals on that song, because I never noticed it before, but once I read about it, I can't unhear him now. It's like he's the loudest thing in the mix, which if you got Jagger in the studio with you, you definitely want to turn him up in the mix. But yeah, it just seems like, how did I not hear that all these years? I only learned that about a decade or so ago, but yeah, there you go. You're so vain. Carly Simon, of course. That might be another thing that I just shoehorned in as an odd and end because the record didn't rank it here on the list. I don't, I didn't even listen to it if that was the case, but it's an undeniable single. And here's yet another undeniable single, one that isn't as popular as You're So Vain, but definitely probably as big of a hit at the time, if not bigger. And weirdly enough, this song has massive historical significance, which I will bore you with in detail after the song, but I just want you to kind of just, if you don't know this song, just kind of just judge it on your own merit. But also, contrary to popular belief, when it does get played on certain oldie stations nowadays, People to this day still think this is the Bee Gees. It is not the Bee Gees. It's a guy named Gilbert O'Sullivan, which definitely sounds like that guy that wrote a lot of Broadway hits, but it's not the same guy either. It's this guy, Gilbert O'Sullivan. He had a couple of hits, but this was his big, big monster hit right here. Alone Again, Naturally.
back over the years Whatever else dies or cares I remember I cried when my father died Never wishing to hide the tears And at 65 years old My mother, God rest her soul Couldn't understand why the only man She had ever loved had been taken Leaving her to start With a heart so badly broken Despite encouragement from me No words were ever spoken When she passed away Cried and cried all day Alone again Naturally Alone again Naturally Okay, Gilbert O'Sullivan with Alone Again and in parentheses, Naturally a very super sad, depressing song, but also super catchy and poppy at the same time. It's just one of those songs that really pulls off both things in my opinion. Okay, references and history galore. We got uh, just talk about this song a little bit. Yeah, the first time I really had any go around with this song, I know I had heard it before on oldie stations. I used to listen to the oldie stations here and there when I was a kid. But yeah, if you didn't know this, back when Nikki Six did his 58 project, they had a one and done album out. He actually covered that song at towards the very end of the album. And Probably because of the bit. I don't know how this really happened. I never heard him talk about this and go on record with it. But he actually had one of the BG's nephews in his band to do that project. And that's the guy that actually sang on the cover version. So, I, like I said, it's probably a joke that he had them do it because of that. Because of the confusion that it is a BG song, even though it's not. And every time I hear that song, I was like, oh, it sounds like Barry. And then the next time I hear it, I was like, oh, it sounds like Morris. And then this time I heard it, it sounded like Robin. So he sounds like a combination of all three Bee Gees. It's a really weird, kind of creepy song. But yes, because of that song is kind of the reason why rap and hip hop wasn't as much fun like after the early 90s. Because that's the guy that sued Bismarcky over a sample of Alone Again Naturally. And because of that ruling, because of O'Sullivan versus Marquis, now all the samples have to be cleared, you know, and gone over with and paid for and all that stuff because of that one court case. <laughs> I'm not going to say it's right or wrong. I'm just going to say that the genre wasn't nearly as fun after that party was over. And yes, pretty sure that's a direct reference on Sugar Ray's Fly to that song, the 65 years old, my mother, God bless her soul line. And I'm assuming if I had a theory, I think they just put it in as a fuck you to Gilbert O'Sullivan for kind of ruining hip hop. Okay, all that to unpack. Alone Again Naturally by Gilbert O'Sullivan, one of the biggest hits of 1972. We're going to continue on with the massive radio hits right here. And wow, two instrumentals in one episode? Are you kidding? I don't think I laid this out properly, but... You really, I, I really kind of wanted to put this on as an intro song, but I didn't want to scare anybody. So I'm just putting it in right here towards the end of the show. Also, yet another massive hit. And for my money, you cannot do a 1972 retrospective without this song right here. One of the most famous instrumentals of all time. And novelty is all get out. This is the band Hot Butter. And their big hit, Popcorn. Thank you. 
popcorn. Bing, 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 bing. Oh, yeah. That was hot butter. It's a one-off novelty thing, but hey, man, I like it. I dig it. And while I'm completely burying myself out here and just going with all my no-shame picks, I'm going to finish off the show with this one. Now, you might think, oh, Joey's going to get edgy again. And by comparison to all those songs I just played, those three songs, it definitely is. But to rock snobs, be like, you know, I, I love the suite, but there's some people that are only like, oh, I just, you know, just Desolation Boulevard, give us a wink and all that stuff. All, all the heavier stuff. But I gotta say, man, I love the bubblegum shit too. And I was talking about the suite earlier in some of these episodes and played some of their other singles. They had three huge singles out in 1972. This one, probably the least successful in America, I would think. One of the earlier ones. But I love it. It's really corny, pardon the pun, but I do love it. So closing off the show here today with some bubblegum pop greatness right here. This is The Sweet with Papa Joe. In the midday sun, they beat on the drums when Papa Joe comes to town. With his coconut rum, they can all have fun. They can drink it till the sun goes down. Papa Joe just smiles politely. With the money he takes, he might be very
that damn thing gets stuck in my head every time I listen to it. So that's going to be up there for a week. So, But I did that to myself, and that's why it really hurts. But that was Papa Joe by The Sweet. Hope you enjoyed that. Hope you enjoyed this episode. I know it was a weird one, but hey, we're in 1972. We're, we're all 50 years back. Do you realize what this means? That means we've gone back 20 more years than they did in Back to the Future by that rationale. Okay, but... We've got one more odds and ends episode to go for 1972 before we get to the meat, before we get to the albums. But I'm enjoying these episodes, and I hope you are as well. So join together with the Rock Strikes 10 podcast. And before we get out of here, please stay tuned for the plugs featuring my better half, Nola, followed by the best damn outro song in all the podcasting business. Take it away, Nola. We would like to thank you for taking the time to listen to the show today. You can reach us on Facebook or Twitter. We love getting messages and always do our best to respond. Every time you share our show, we give our cats Ruby and Ripley a treat. We are on Twitter at RockStrikes10 and the direct email is RockStrikes10 at gmail.com. When you search for us, the number 10 is always spelled out. If you would like to support our show financially, we do have RockStrikes10 shirts for sale. For $20, we will ship you out a high-quality, soft-as-heck, next-level branded shirt and a button. Send us an email or direct message for more details or to order. Please help us spread the word about this show and all of our other quality shows by listening, liking, subscribing, and sharing. Our official website is cnjradio.com. You can visit this site for all episodes of Rock Strikes 10 going all the way back to episode number one. While you're on cnjradio.com, check out some of these other quality shows. The Wrestling House Show, a pro wrestling podcast unlike any other. The Synaptic Empire Audio Transmissions, hosted by Randy Brown, a true alternative. The Last Theater, starring Chris, where cinema's trash is treated like treasure. And the I Am Vinyl Podcast with Pete LaRussa and occasionally Joey. We also highly recommend that you check out our good friend Mark Striegel, who can now be heard exclusively on Sirius XM as part of Ozzy's Boneyard and Hair Nation. Last, but certainly not least, we would like to give an extra special thanks to the great Pete LaRussa and the band Spacebeard for the best outro song in the business. Go to facebook.com slash spacebeardband to purchase their music and make sure to tell them that Rock Strikes 10 sent ya. We hope you tune into the next show. Until then, have fun. Game show is brought to you by Christ. I can't find it. The hell with it.